Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. News team, assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, welcome back. It is another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast. Eddie and Carrie on a special vacation edition uh, for Josh and Bob. I think uh, Bob is probably in Orlando hell. Is that where he's at, Eddie? Uh, no, I think he's going down to uh, Kentucky or something. Oh, I that's right. He's not yeah. going to Disneyland this time or I Disney World, one of those two. People with kids go on vacation, they're just going to the hell of Orlando. That's why I'm not married and don't have kids. I don't go on that's vacation. That's exactly because of, you don't want to go to Disneyland? Or that's I just why you're dis- not married? I just disappear. Uh, anyway, we want to welcome in a special guest. Uh, we brought in a heavy hitter to uh, fill in and, and basically just waste some time during the offseason, and that is... Uh, our publisher of HuskerOnline.com at Rivals.com, Sean Callahan, is uh, joining us. And uh, Sean, welcome to the Thunderdome. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. And I, I can tell you, I've been to both Disneyland and Disney World <laughs> with kids. And we went to Disney World in July. And let me tell you. Oh, heat, boy. That, I mean, you're, you're just dead. I mean, like your step counter, you're like 15, 20,000 steps a day in the parks. And I mean, you go to bed at eight o'clock at night. You're so tired and exhausted um, fr- from the trip out there. So we uh, did do Disneyland because the Rose Bowl. Bowl. Yeah, I forgot about. Oh that. yeah, you got to go into the Rose Bowl. Yes, and you you probably got to tape the OU players riding the teacups or something, right? I I, I think we, we bypassed all that because yeah. they had like the. Oh, what was it? It, it was, was like a, they, were re, they were opening. Was it Aaron it was Taylor that did the uh, like the emceeing for the some kind of ride no, that they was, had him out uh, there? It was Marcellus Wyatt. Oh, Marcellus, that's right. That's exactly yeah. what it was. And he wore a, a t-shirt, looked like he just pulled it out of the dirty laundry pile. He's like, I have to, I really have to go over there. And they're like, Yeah, we're paying <laughs> you to get over there. Uh, but they were opening like the new Avengers, like it used to be the Tower of Terror, I think, and now it was like the it was like the gravity. But like they sent out like press stuff of them being dropped like it was like a gravity thing i don't know but no it was cool we got to interview all the players uh and walking through there i'm just like we were in the cars part i say this i don't have kids i don't have any wish to go to disneyland but just like walking around that and seeing how big everything is it's like us they, they built a city i mean it is ridiculous just to see it yeah it, it is um and honestly Orlando's that much bigger. I mean, California is laid out a little bit easier. You got the two parks, right or left. You go. Um, California Adventure Park has alcohol. Uh, Disney, the 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 original Disney, does not have beer. So if you, if you're wanting to have a cold oh, adult beverage, um, well, they got you the, the uh, you can drink the country though the right. at the Epcot Center though, right? At Disney World. Oh yeah, now Disney World, I think they all have it, but the okay. old school original Magic Kingdom in California. Oh okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good time. I mean, you, you could, 
your kids, you got to do it when your kids are young and we did it and we'll probably go back one more time. Uh, but we're hitting, we're hitting the beach this July. We're gonna go to Florida, um, in about a month. I should just say this first off. So people understand, uh, Sean Callahan does not endorse any way that we carry ourselves and, and do business at Soonerscoop.com. Uh, Sean, I, I'm, I'm surprised you came on the podcast first off, uh, but Sean's kind of like the, the parental unit. Like, I don't know if you guys should cuss as much as you do, or I don't know. Like, I remember we, we made a Twitter page for the Crimson Corner, and it was Gabe Eichert and Jared Falwell flipping uh, the bird. Uh, and Sean was like, are you sure you want to do that and represent yourself that way? I'm like, yeah, we're, we're kind of a bunch of assholes. <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, I mean, does that not like do you not are Nebraska fans not kind of like do you not do they not have like that bar stool attitude? Are they just super nice everywhere? Like you, I wouldn't you say just that. I mean, can't they're definitely play it that way. Oh, I mean, they're definitely mean on the message boards and social media, and I mean, people are you know, going in this year. There's a lot of angst and anxiety, um, you know, on Frost and the season, and you know, our boards are are pretty negative. I mean, as negative as you're going to see. Because they know how difficult the schedule is for Nebraska and, and and what they're facing this year, and Frost has had three straight losing seasons. So um, <laughs> Nebraska fans are nice, but the vocal ones, as you know, on any fan base, they're on the message boards, they're on Twitter, and they they control the conversation a lot of the days uh, on there. So no, it, it, it's the same everywhere. But in general, we've got a lot of older fans around the state that are very loyal. I mean, they they come out rain or shine, no matter what. And, you know, that, that's what makes Nebraska special. I mean, it's the smallest populated state along with West Virginia in the Power Five. And they have, um, you know, they sell up that stadium every every game since the 1960s. Well, and, and I wanted to go back, uh, and, and I'm boxing out Eddie here, uh, but this was what I wanted to first talk to you about is something we talked about about a week ago. We had kind of just a conversation on the phone. I think Eddie probably feels the same way. Um but watching how the Big Ten treated Nebraska uh, when they all they wanted to do was play football and like just let us schedule some games like and to watch the Big Ten treat them the way that they did, I was just like, I mean, from my perspective, I was sitting. I don't know how you felt, Eddie, but I was like, holy shit, they're treating Nebraska like a redheaded stepchild. Like I, they did the same to Ohio shocking. State, did they not? I don't oh, no. know. I don't think they did to Ohio. I State. guess all the. I guess what I'm talking about is all the emails that have come out since then with uh, the correspondent as far as they were going to go the same route as Nebraska. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. But of. I mean, Sean, how the hell had uh, does Nebraska get treated that way? Yeah, I mean, uh, the the best way to describe the the Big Ten. I mean, it's a really snooty uppity country club, and Nebraska's the member at the club that orders the Bushlight Tall Boy at the bar. I mean, they're they're kind of. I mean. They're, they're they're the outlier member. I mean, their their academics um, are by far the lowest of the fourteen member institutions. I mean, you look at Michigan and Minnesota and Illinois and Wisconsin. I mean, those are some of the top public schools in the country. Then you have Northwestern down the line, and you know Nebraska is you know they rank more like a lot of the Big Twelve teams. I mean, they're they're on par with like Oklahoma and and and, and schools like that, and. They were brought in the Big Ten for football. I mean, Tom Osborne and, money, and Harvey yeah. Perlman, they, they kind of brokered all this in 2009. And if you go back to 2009, Dominican Sioux had just almost beat Texas and Dallas. And um, Texas started to kind of do all the stuff they did. And it led to the conversations. And 
I think the Big Ten obviously took a, a bet. Like, you know what? We're going to bring in Nebraska's back on the come. Bo Pelini was at his height, and they signed him before the 2010 season started. And they still had a very good team in 2010. Blew a 17 nothing lead in Dallas to Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game that year. Um, but yeah, the, since they've been in the Big Ten now 10 years, they've only made the title game once. Um, they've had a few nine. Uh, 10 win type years, but n- nothing better than that. And they haven't had one of those in a long time since 2016. Um, so I, I think that the, the notion is you don't get a chair at the table. How dare you speak up Nebraska? Um, because you haven't done your part in football. You're the lowest ranked member of our academics. And so, no, you don't, you, you don't get to be the guy that speaks out against the other 13 people here in the country club. And, and, you know, it's interesting. They, they were the ones that did. And, um, the media people, the national guys, and um, you can probably guess who some of those guys are. I mean, it was almost like they were in cahoots. I mean, they were like, we're going to trash Nebraska and, and rip Scott Frost for simply wanting to play football. In the Big Ten and Kevin Warren, I mean, you got the sense that they were operating you know, with some of these guys to make sure these narratives got out. But it really changed when – Nebraska kind of orchestrated a deal where the players sued the Big Ten and they got them to court. I'll never forget that day. I was sitting here in my office and Mike Flood, the former speaker of this, um, he's a state senator um, here in Nebraska. He's also he's also an attorney and um, that he he led the charge. And Mike Flood, somebody from his office, said, hey, you want to get down to the courthouse? They put in the the notion or the the motion or the the the, the suit against the conference at one o'clock the big 10 had to appear in a nebraska lincoln court at three o'clock they had like two hours notice to get their attorney and get it was on zoom obviously at that point um and at that point i was like holy smoke and they told me they're like we thought we had about a 25 percent chance of getting this through and then they they forced the big 10 to appear and they didn't have the, the guy was like you know usually we get time to prepare we have nothing prepared to speak right now and and um you know then they pushed it down later but once it got to court that's when it changed then the other you know people in the big 10 were really rooting for it and kind of got behind it um and i think once people saw other leagues were playing i i I think the big 10 bet on the wrong horse and they assumed everybody was going to be where they were and they were wrong as we know and um they they had to come If, if the big 10 didn't play this fall who knows where we'd be right now? I mean, it, it would be very interesting because that I watched that spring football FCS stuff, and it just it wasn't the same. Right. It wasn't the same. North, North Dakota State didn't look the same to me, and I mean, just some of these teams just didn't feel the same. Watching it felt them on like the field. G League kind of NBA G League. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, if Nebraska or you know, like Ohio State was playing in the spring this year, for example, none of those guys that are that got drafted were, were going to play. So it would have been a joke. I mean, it would have been really, really, you know, hard to watch and and whatnot. So they did the right thing um, in the end. But yeah, it, it was a crazy deal. Nebraska was kind of the first guy that swung their sword and spoke out, and they were criticized. But in in the end, they were they were the they were the real people that that got football back. Ohio State can kind of say we were too, but Nebraska was the ones that came out and took the punches right away yeah. at the conference. After with all that said, had. <laughs> I guess in a way, I mean, has the last decade been worth it for Nebraska? And if not, and they were still in the Big 12, and we can't, I guess, go back and look at what That's has what happened over the last the de- whole, decade. The but would, would Nebraska still be where 12. they were at the time? Would, would they have fallen off, do you think, had they not gone to the Big 10? 
Yeah, I think they'd be better off in the Big 12 sure. competitively. Um, just because the type of guys you need in this league, it's a different kind of player. Sure. And Bo Pelini had Nebraska built as an elite defense in the Big 12, which is very hard to do. Um, he figured out how to, you know, to get the D linemen, the linebackers, hybrid guys, and they were rolling. I mean, they had it figured out and and you know, they had to completely change what they do because that type of scheme didn't work in the Big Ten necessarily, at least when they first joined the league with all the tight ends and fullbacks and everyone's bigger in this conference across the board. But here's the difference is the money. Um, but the really interesting thing is the additional monies Nebraska makes, most of it goes back to the school. So they get like $55 million a year. And I think probably OU gets, what, $40? Um, 38. I don't know what the number is. It's about 40. Yeah. When it's all said and done and and the third tier rights are added in, I I would imagine. Yeah. So they get the 55 from the big 10 and, but 10 of that every year just goes right back to the school. So the chance, not the athletic department you're saying. Yeah. And so Nebraska gives five of it to the chancellor to use at his discretion. And the other 5 million goes to scholarships for general students. So when you break it down like that, it's really only like 5 million more dollars and they've been able to take that a long way and they do they've done a ton with that money in terms of facilities I mean, they're building a 155 million dollar new football facility weight room training table student complex and, and, and they broke ground on it this this last month but i think the the issue is the university now is getting used to that 10 million per year they're getting as well so I, I and then the professors and the school side they really like to be in the big 10 so it, it, sure they're, they're not long story short they're not going going back even though there are you know definitely some things that make it feel right and i think politically nebraskans really felt out of place during the covid and all this stuff last year i mean most people were like sensible about it you know what yeah we respect covid and and whatnot but we think we can still play football and, and figure it out and, and get it done we think we should be able to have a few amount of some fans in our stadium and, and things like that but the big 10 you know said nope you know they were like the government they said we're, we're going to control all and we're going to make those decisions for you and you can't have fans and um we're gonna we're gonna tell you all these different rules for practicing and whatnot and testing i mean the big ten conference the players tested like seven days a week almost i mean it was ridiculous and the school pay you know millions of dollars to do all the testing protocols um and, and just all the things that were required to even play football but yeah i just think there's too much political stuff with the university side that would make it very difficult to go back into the big 12 how close is the fan base to i guess not turning on scott frost because i don't know if that would ever happen just from the outside looking in but we saw it happen with josh heupel it can happen sure it can happen anywhere uh it just seems like i i just keep going back to like what happened because my first memory of like oh you nebraska is obviously you know it's eric crouch running up and down the sidelines against oklahoma and just basically or scott frost like beating the shit out of oklahoma like what has happened yeah it's i mean i I think his first year he showed everybody what they could be and got everybody excited i mean they started out zero and six his first year but it was a crazy first six games and probably could have won or should have won two or three of them but then the back end of the schedule they went four and two they had ohio state on the ropes in columbus i mean they it was a big noon kickoff game and J.D. Spielman, who's now at TCU, dropped a touchdown pass that would have put Nebraska up by two possessions in the fourth quarter on Ohio State in Columbus. And then they lost to Iowa in overtime. 
or on a last second field goal, excuse me. And, and so they, they were, you know, like his first year, you're like, wow, they went four and two. They showed a lot of promise. The problem is the roster turned over pretty quick. He had some NFL guys that first year that were gone. He had a running back, a receiver, um, an outside linebacker, just some offensive linemen, core guys that kind of team together. Then the leadership just fell apart in his second year. He had a new center that couldn't snap the ball to Martinez. Like so Martinez had like five or six snaps over his head in 2019. They didn't have very good receivers. They didn't have a running back situation figured out. So everything just kind of fell apart in 2019. Then Martinez got hurt, and you know they they were they were they were ranked. They were picked to win the West in 2019 by everybody, and they went out to Colorado and they blew a 17 nothing lead in Boulder, where 65 percent of Folsom Field was Nebraska fans. I mean, it was it was unbelievable how many Nebraska fans took over Colorado's football stadium that day, and you know that was a turning point because they were ranked in the top. 20 they went out there and run away with it i think the season has a different feel but then from that point on i think the team lost their their confidence and then you know you, you go to 2020 it was a conference only schedule they only sure. played eight games it was very, very difficult to kind of measure the season i mean shoot they opened up the season with ohio state penn state and northwestern i mean those were their first three games and then they had wisconsin on there that got canceled for covid so the, the way the schedule was built, um, it was very difficult to measure last year. So that, that's why this year is so big. Um, they have three games that they're probably going to be favored in, for sure two of the three, and I think they'll be favored at Illinois to open it up. Then they go to OU. And um, so I think for them to have the kind of year they want next, this year, they need to start out 3-0 and go into Norman as a respectable team at that point. And, and – and, See where they're at because they this is the best roster Frost has had by far. I mean, they have everybody back um, on defense, and they've added some really good receivers on offense that are going to be the deepest group they've had since Frost has been here. So um, the pieces are there for them to be a much better team this year. Full disclosure: I think I lost money on that 2019 Nebraska game. I think I had a Colorado game. I think I had the uh, Cornhuskers in that. Um, you know what I find interesting, Sean, something we haven't really talked about is. I mean, for most people, it's ancient history. Uh, Tom Osborne moving on to uh, um, why does why did Ohio's coach Frank Solich name fell out of my head there for a second? That's how long ago it was. Um, and then, you know, as you mentioned, you had you know you had Callahan there that kind of changed the offensive culture a little bit. Uh, Pelini was more defensive focused. I'm just curious, like we all know. There's probably been a lot of debate over the years in Nebraska about what type of offense that Nebraska should be running. Is everyone kind of behind having, uh, you know, a, a wide open spread passing offense in in Nebraska, or you still have factions of we should be a more of a power running game team? Yeah, I think what they want to be is a team that can run with a physical presence out of the pistol and out of the spread. I mean, they're, they're rarely under center, um, but it was funny in 2019, they played Ohio state and Frost came out with like an old school power eye formation for one series. And Nebraska drove the ball right down the uh -oh. field on Ryan day. And, <laughs> uh -oh. and uh, like Ryan day had to take like 
I would call it like a version of a basketball coach timeout because they were just so thrown off by it. And everybody at college game day was in Lincoln too, for that game. And everybody was just like, yeah, it still works. And, <laughs> and then, then we never saw it again. It was, that was like the only time they ever ran like the old school system. And they drove it right down on Ohio state and chase young and day was like flustered, <laughs> I mean, but it was like a trick play though. I mean, we never have never seen it, but they will use tight ends um, a lot. I mean, they, they have a very, very deep group of tight ends right now. Um, two veteran fifth-year guys that are NFL level. So um, they will feature the tight ends and, and have those guys out there a lot. They have bigger wide receivers on the perimeter uh, that will be much better blockers. And that's part of this offense, too. I mean, Chip Kelly, even when he was at Oregon, they, yes, they were this up-tempo spread, but they always had a physical running presence at running back that could pound you um, when you study some of those Oregon running backs in the past. And then they always had great perimeter blocking. Well, Nebraska, the last few years, has had terrible perimeter blocking, really, really poor blockers on the edge. And they've had inconsistencies at running back since 2018. Devino Zigbo is in the NFL now. He was a 1,000-yard rusher in Frost's first year. Since then, they just have not had um that consistency so what ends up happening is adrian martinez has to be like the running back and the quarterback and that's where they've got to get it fixed martinez can't carry the ball like 18 or 20 times a game and expect to make it through a year he needs to have it be about 10 a game and you know what's ending up happening is they're so inefficient on these early downs they're getting like one or two yards on first down runs and whatnot that they're in these third and sevens third and eights and Martinez has to run for a lot of those and get them. And that's great, but it's not a long-term sustainable formula in this conference. I mean, your quarterback's just going to get smoked in the Big Ten the way these defenses play you. And you can't have Martinez taking those seven or eight extra carries per game because of the other deficiencies on your offense. I, by the way, you mentioned tight ends. I'm sure Scott Frost is going to go back and watch that Iowa State film uh, for the last couple of years with Charlie Kolar. How odd has that been seeing Iowa State become good? Yeah, it's weird because although they can't beat Iowa, I mean they they screw the Big Twelve every year. It's the yearly by disappointment in the non-conference, some stupid non-conference game, and then they end up battling for the the chip. It just makes the Big Twelve look so stupid. I guess OU loses their conference game at some point during the Either season. Either Kansas it's just State like, or Iowa yeah, State. Yeah, it's like a lose. flip the coin type thing. Yeah, the Iowa State thing is um, – and then even Kansas State, when they beat like OU back-to-back -back years and Kleiman, I know, had a down year. And a lot of Kleiman's down year last year had to do with Skylar Thompson getting hurt. I mean, I know Kansas yeah, State oh, fans – You had to face Skylar Thompson, and nobody else did the rest of the season. And I know Kansas State fans were, were upset the way the year ended, but they had their, their quarterback out, so they, they fell. But, you know, yeah, what Kleiman's done and obviously what Campbell has done – it does get your attention as Nebraska fans here. And, you know, it frustrates you because you feel like when you look at the roster just on paper, Nebraska's got a better roster than those teams do. Uh, particularly in, and that's where coaching and culture and – Well, evaluation, you have to take that into account. Too. I mean, Iowa State, they're recruiting kids from the same, you know, recruiting areas that Nebraska should be recruiting from. Uh, and they're they're – evaluating and developing kids at a, at a higher rate, it seems, right now. Well, and, and here's the difference, though. Like, Nebraska fans, they want to be ranked high in the re recruiting rankings. Well, mm -hmm. Iowa State fans, Kansas State fans, they don't really get into the rankings. They yeah, just they know, say, you know what, Campbell's... Their minds, it doesn't Campbell's, matter because it's never mattered. 
yeah, and Campbell's a good coach. We believe in this guy, and whoever he takes, we believe in it. Where I think at Nebraska, if you st- if you took a swing on a two star or kind of a a three star that doesn't really have any power five offers or very little power, like no no major, the fans start questioning your coaching staff publicly, and they're like, oh man, they struck out on their top board guys, and they're reaching on these bottom guys now. And I think that's the battle um, Nebraska faces because. The fan base wants them to recruit nationally, and I think the coaches do in, in some respects, and they've done that. They've had good classes, but in some cases, like Wondell Robinson, he came here and it almost felt like they had to like live up to the promises and expectations that he wanted, and they weren't doing it to what he wanted, so he left. Um, so it's a fine line Nebraska has to walk. They, they want to be like Iowa and Wisconsin in this league, but they also want to recruit a prettier player than those schools. And I don't think you can have it both ways. I own Wisconsin recruit a ton of three stars and they develop them and they win with them. And Nebraska has recruited a lot of four stars and a lot of them haven't made it here for just various different reasons. I mean, last year during COVID they brought in like six Florida kids and I think four or five of them were four stars. Every one of them left except one. I think every one of them's gone. And it, it's unbelievable, and all particularly all of the Miami kids left. And, you know, it, it just I, – I think they've got to find the right kids that want to be at Nebraska. They're good football players, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're good football players to play for Nebraska. And that, that's the challenge I think Nebraska faces now is getting those types of kids that are the right fit to win here. Kind of seems like the same thing that they did on the West Coast when they tried to get into, uh, was it Calabasas, and brought all those kids in. Wasn't Keyshawn Ju- uh, Johnson Jr. part of that group? And then obviously they got into a little bit of trouble, and it just didn't seem to work out. Yeah, I'll never forget. We were in um, satellite camps, and we were in uh, L.A. for the, the Nebraska camp out there. And that was the day after um, Keyshawn Jr. got in trouble for like missing workouts because he was smoking weed and got into a bunch of trouble and got caught by the police. And Keyshawn Sr. drove like two hours to this camp in L.A. <laughs> um, to, to like talk to Mike Riley. And, and I mean, he was in that was kind of the beginning of the end and um, uh, uh, of that deal. And then Riley's last year was that year as well. But yeah, all those there's a, only one of those Calabasas or. Um, Calabrasca guys left and he's a starting safety Markel to Smuke from Calabasas high school he's a six-year senior on this roster now um, but you're right I mean I, I think you've got to find the right blend of Midwest guys um, that that want to play here and then you know I think the kids that they've had the most success with are Georgia and North Florida um, you know th- those tend to be better fits here um, the Miami kids are unbelievable but it just didn't work I mean I, I think the, the weight room and some of the different things that the culture of the program has here, it's different for some of these kids when they come up here. And um, they don't, they're not used to lifting and working like that. And I think and if you don't do that, you're not going to play. And some of these kids from Miami, just they wanted to miss practice and still play in the game. And it just doesn't work that, that way. You know, it, it, it kind of reminds me of what happened to OU kind of in the mid to late 2000s is uh, – they kept losing battles for, you know, players that the big, really big players. Uh, and they kind of had to ask themselves like, you know, should we be going after every five star that, that, you know, is out there because we'll end up, they, they stay home at Texas or, uh, they go to USC. I mean, they, they would go out to California. Like I think like guys like a Dory Jackson and, um, uh, who's the, uh, 
Iman Marshall was that the kid? Yeah. Uh, so like he's it, another one in that group. And they 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 kept going after all these Cali kids and, and these um, uh, modern day kids, and they would always just stay at USC. Uh, see, like Nebraska, I think of just obvious fails for them would be like a guy like Charlie Kolar, like. like uh, or Brees Hall. How about Brees Hall? Sure. Like we went and saw Brees Hall. Kid from Wichita. Well, from Wichita, and uh, he's a good player. And I saw him. I was like, man, he could play at OU. So but they're already committed Bruce, to these guys. Brees Hall is a legacy to Nebraska. <laughs> oh god, oh, shit! <laughs> that um, has to. Just, I yeah. did not know and that. They took a swing on a Grayson Georgia running back named Ronald Tompkins, who after his sophomore year was going to be like a five star. He was unreal in georgia but then he had like back-to-back multiple knee injuries his junior and senior years and they chose his commit two weeks before Brees hall committed to iowa state but they almost didn't push for Brees hall's commit he came in for a visit but yeah Brees hall in all reality should have been probably the guy so he's a, he's took. a name that pisses off all nebraska fans when you bring him up I, yes and no. I don't know how well the story's told, but yeah, he, he's related to Jeff Smith. I mean, a former Husker player, and I mean, he's a legacy to the program. And he came up here, and they kind of went with a guy on paper that looked a little prettier from a bigger time program, but he had injury things. And the reason Nebraska got Ronald Tompkins, who went in the portal uh, two weeks ago, is because of the injuries. The SEC teams didn't want him because they knew that his legs had a lot of questions. Well, he battled injuries, and then. He was actually second string this year, and then never he only played 19 snaps in in the game. I do Pro Football Focus has been a great thing that we get at Rivals, and yeah, just, it's great when you can be like, yeah, he only actually played 19 snaps all year. I mean, it's just like it really magnifies sometimes when a guy leaves why they leave um, and, and whatnot. But yeah, it, that, that that I one mean, that's seemed, something that we learned too is like when there's a kid from the SEC country and the big programs don't want him that's a that doesn't like you can't just go out and sign that kid because he had a non-committable offer from you know Georgia and Alabama like there's you got to avoid those guys cuz they 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 will kill your program because you get these guys in there that are highly rated uh and they're going to scare off you know a Brees Hall or whoever like I think OU's done a really good job but like if they win a battle in the SEC they legitimately either win or lose to Alabama or Georgia. Like, they're well, taking L- legitimate kids that they want. Well, and like LSU and Alabama, and I'm sure Georgia's the same way, in order to commit to those programs, you have to go down there and work out in the camp. Mm-hmm, right, and yeah. That, and, you know, it's funny, North Dakota State at the FCS ranks, they're the same way. Um, they're really strict about offering the, up there um, in Fargo. They want those, and, and, and that actually, it, it's a... I, every school wishes they could do that. I'll put it that way. Yeah. But only like so many, like Clemson, I think can do it now too. Like there's a kid from Kansas, Jer- Jerron Canick, um, ran ten three seven. Oh, you offered him as you guys know. Nebraska was his first major offer, and Brent Venables went back into Kansas where he's from, and they offered him this week, and he had to go out to Clemson. Though I don't know if he worked out or what he did for him, um, but yeah, they offered him after his visit out there, and I think the really really good programs have that luxury to say you you'll have an offer but you won't, it's not a committable offer until you prove it on the on our eyes on a practice field i just i, I just think it's been you know the, the story of oklahoma and like lincoln riley has built it into something that 
beyond what Bob Stoops was doing from a recruiting standpoint, like being able to go toe to toe with Alabama and Clemson and uh, and, and actually losing battles or winning battles, like to me, Nebraska, they've they've just got to realize we have to win some recruiting battles for three stars and four stars. Like there, if you if Nebraska's thinking like we need to get the kind of kids that Clemson is getting. You're never going to build your program right now. Now you can't. Lincoln Riley has proved in a in a you know a span of two to three years, you can build your program back up. But but Nebraska's got to win right now before they start thinking about getting involved with guys that have offers from Alabama, Clemson, LSU, Ohio State. Well, and and this year I think the 2020 class for them, COVID actually helped them because they had to focus more on regional, mm-hmm. and so many of the recruits are from within six hours of Lincoln. And, you know, we were able to go see a lot of them play just because of the distances. And uh, I think that helped them bring together a class of kids from the Midwest that really wanted to be here. And then they, they did win some good, good recruiting battles. I mean, they got Thomas Fedoni, the number one tight end in the country out of Council Bluffs, Iowa, which is right here. And then um, they went into um, Hawaii and got the number one player from the state of Hawaii because they have a um, Polynesian coach here on the staff, Tony Tuioti, um, with tons of connections there. Um, that, that kind of really spearheaded that. So they did win um, some of the battles they wanted to win, and they were able to keep that class together. And I, I do think without having coaches on the road this whole year, it really cut out a lot of the drama because kids couldn't take visits. There weren't secret in-home visits going on. And that class they signed, I mean, it stayed intact, and it was a really, really good um, recruiting haul considering what happened with COVID. And you know, Nebraska builds their classes off of spring game visits, summer visit events, and obviously um, home game events. And they were not able to have any of that. And it's kind of catching up this year. They only have two commits right now, and they're going to have eight official visitors in here on this weekend. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of angst right now on what direction this 2022 class is going to go because of the losing seasons they've had now, four in a row, going back to Mike Riley. And then on top of that, just the, the way um, – the lack of visits have gone, not having kids on campus. It's almost like Nebraska should have been where Minnesota was the last couple of years. Like there's no reason. And I get, I, in a way that sounds insane to say that, that Nebraska should be taking notes from a school like Minnesota. But at the same time, I, I feel like they've had the talent up there in Minneapolis, which is just awkward to say out loud. They just needed a coach. Yeah. They just needed a coach to be able to put it, it all wasn't going to have a seizure every five minutes. Well, that's it. Yeah, and, and Don't you, take you go Jerry back to 2019 like Minnesota. <laughs> 2019 Minnesota went 11 and 2 as we know and it started with the schedule that they had. Sure. I mean, they they were set up to come out of the gates with a great record. I mean, listen to this 2019 schedule they had. They they had South Dakota State, which is and they won by 7. They won in double overtime at Fresno State. They they only beat Georgia Southern by 3. So they're three and zero, but they're three and zero. You know, it doesn't, they, none of those wins are pretty wins. Then they beat Purdue, a bad Purdue team, in 2019 by seven. Then they beat Illinois, a bad Illinois team. Then they played Nebraska. Then they played Rutgers, and they played Maryland. I mean, sure. talk about like the all-time program-winning schedule. They were able to go eight and zero before Penn State came in there, and then they elevated. Yeah, that and, Penn State they, game seemed like a big, a bigger deal than it probably was. Yeah, and, and then they they beat Penn State to get to nine and zero. And then, then they had just three games left at that point. They lost to Iowa and they lost to Wisconsin. Sure. And then they beat they beat Northwestern. So a lot of it was that schedule. And, you know, I, I know in some ways 
th- this Frost is going to take took a ton of flack for even thinking about not playing that OU game, but I think he was trying to build like a 2019 Minnesota schedule um, where they had a string of games where they could get to like five and zero. And you know, with that said, they do have a schedule that they should get to four and one. Um, I think you know out of the gates, Illinois, Fordham, Buffalo. OU, obviously, they're going to be a big dog. And then Michigan State. So they have a schedule this year at Nebraska to get off to a good start. Um, and I, I think that's the key. And I mean, that, that, that's what jump-started Minnesota's season. And unfortunately, Nebraska has never had the schedule to do it when you play Ohio State out of the gates or you know you have just different things happen, like the opening game of the Frost era against Akron was canceled. Um, and they tried to play it on Sunday, and Akron got the hell out of town. Terry Bowden did not want to play, and they left. Um, so just some of the things that they could have had to jumpstart momentum, they've just never been able to have those, unfortunately. So uh, I know uh, our time is running short, and we kept you longer than I think we said oh, in the first I'm place. I'm fine, so, guys. It, it should uh, be noted, we started the podcast at 11, and that wasn't because Fox made us. <laughs> Yeah, how do, Man, I mean, how does the, I mean, you guys in Nebraska have to play a lot of 11. I know, like, we have to remove ourselves from the discussion because we love 11 o'clock games. I mean, it's the Very best. selfish. We it's can get done best. early. Yes. But I understand the, the fans hate it because they want to go tailgate and drink and uh, get juiced up for the game, and it, it takes away from that. Uh, but because your television package is so tied in with Fox, I know... Nebraska, Ohio State has played a bunch of 11 o'clock games, too. But it's a noon game for Ohio State. Like, That's I feel like true. that yeah. hour is just so different mentally for the fan Critical. Base. Yeah, and, and, you know, people have talked about, like, could they just reshuffle the times a little bit and, and, and go noon central, 3.30 central on Fox? But it's all about this 11, 2.30, 6.30 block that they, they, they run these, these networks with, and ABC has actually moved their times up to 6.30. There's no longer a 6 p.m. affiliate newscast um, on football Saturdays. And, you know, it used to be you played 11, 2.30, and 7, so you could let your affiliates have their their newscast at 6. Um, and that was why ABC went that route. Well, they've eliminated that newscast, and it's just a 6.30 start time now. Um, so, you know, it, 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 the, the package itself, yeah, Nebraska played every game this year. I think one, the Iowa game was at like one. It was two hours later, which was beautiful on Black Friday. And then they, they had to play. <laughs> they played at Rutgers on a Friday night on December 19th. I mean, it was unbelievable. We had to travel out to Rutgers days before Christmas on short rest on the final game of the year um, for a game in an empty stadium at night. The Big Ten just screwed nebraska on that draw they, they ended up winning that game on the road um and, and whatnot but yeah other than that every other game was 11 and i think this year people were fine with it because you weren't in the stadium you're like you know what i'm gonna watch the game and then i'll have the rest of my saturday to do what i gotta do um but yeah when you talk about fan bases coming down i think the perfect scenario is your opening game or twos at night for the heat and the tailgating and then after that only the really big games are at night and then you know, I think 2.30 is the ideal time everybody really likes. I mean, I think 2.30, you get the best of both worlds. Um, I always like that as a fan, yeah. I mean, I love night games, too, but 2.30 was great just because you could still you could catch a little football before and you catch a little after. Right, and, and you get to come down for lunch, and you get lunch somewhere, and get a few beers, and you walk in the stadium. Now, is OU um, 
did they serve are they full alcohol sales they are now company? yeah mm-hmm. it's been are a couple they, of years they, now are they keg beer or are they twist offs i think it's half and half i think they have draft like in the club section that you can go up and get a like a draft keg like beer and then craft I, beers too in the stadium I guess this tells you how big of a loser I am. I don't. I've never bought a beer at the stadium just because we've been covering it. I, I think it is keg beer, but I'm not positive about that. And it's Budweiser because so they got a deal with Budweiser. So there's no alcohol in the stadium, but it's kind of. I think the ball's rolling here. Um, Garth Brooks, I'm sure you guys saw, is doing Hell a concert yeah. in Memorial Stadium. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be awesome. And he sold out 86,000 tickets in like 90 minutes. <laughs> did he and, add like you know, three shows like he did last time he was in Oklahoma? Well, he only does that in the arenas because those are fifteen thousand seat arenas. He's, oh, yeah. he's just he's just doing all the shows. Yeah, he can do eighty six thousand. Yeah, tickets at once. That's pretty good. It's awesome. And so alcohol, like everyone knows, they're going to do something with alcohol in the stadium. There's no way you could have a Garth Brooks concert of this size and not have alcohol. But see, like you so. uh, two played in at, at Memorial Stadium, uh, and they served alcohol. Like they brought in alcohol to serve. Probably did for the Rolling Stones too, way back when. Yeah, right? probably. So yeah, that that's what we don't know what they're gonna do, but I think there's gonna be some permits and whatnot, and then I think you'll see basketball and baseball get it. But I think by 22 or 23, it wouldn't be surprising to me at all if you saw beer in the in Memorial Stadium. That's interesting, uh, Sean. Let's just talk about uh, this game. I mean, obviously you mentioned it earlier, uh, and look, I don't blame Scott Frost for trying to get out of it. He's trying to do the best thing for his football program. Uh, the fans won't understand it, though, because they're like, damn it, this is the 50-year anniversary of the game of the century, a game that we, we lost, and we still want to honor it. Like, I've, that's what's crazy. I've always found the OU Nebraska thing so fascinating, too, in a way, because I think for people my age, at least, like, all I remember is the early, you know, middle 90s. With John Blake getting his ass kicked by getting, Tom Osborne. Yeah, like, Nebraska coming down here, scoring 70. There was never that true day after Thanksgiving rivalry game during my lifetime, at least, or at least of that I remember. Well, we got the 2000, 2001. Sure. That's the height. I mean, yeah, yeah. That most people will remember. And, and I mean, those two teams were top three in the BCS rankings. I mean, it was like one versus two or one versus three um, on both those games. I think if I remember right. And multiple Heisman trophy winners were in those games um, for both schools, Eric Crouch and um, Jason White. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you think about that was probably I was at the game in OU in 2000 and I just remember a lot how fast it came for OU. Like nobody saw like that type of rise this quickly. And I mean, just the access to the program you had back at OU back then was a lot better. And because there weren't as many people covering it. I remember after the game, I was doing freelance radio work for one of those national networks to cover that game down there. Yeah. And, Mark Mangino, I, I went in the OU, I went in the OU locker room, and I haven't told this story before. I went in the OU locker room. And, Did you see and, a naked uh, Mangino? So no, I, I, no, I didn't see naked. It's not that kind of. But Mangino's like, come on in, come on in. And Mangino <laughs> did. Mangino did an interview on the national um, network from my phone, and then I went in the OU training room. I was a twenty-year-old or twenty. I was. I wasn't even twenty-one. And Torrance Marshall was like doing his post rehab and I handed him my cell phone while he was sitting at the training on the, on the trainer's table doing whatever he was doing in the, in the trainer's room. And he did his interview. I mean, I just think about the access we had to the programs back then 
and I on, on Thursday practice, I, I walked across the street from that. Is that Irish bar still across it, the street from the stadium? It, no, no, no. It, it moved over to uh, the other side, the campus the corner. Campus, yeah. So it's it's basically like in the bar area. They they did what they did is that area they uh, claimed eminent domain, uh, and that's where OU's new athletic dorms are. So like O'Connell, it was called O'Connell's, right? right? Yes, and it was we, a scene. Yeah, I mean, like so six, people don't understand that that never saw that. Like literally everyone that was in the stadium was on that street corner after games. Yeah, and we did so sixteen twenty out of Omaha. I was working with them with Kevin Kugler and a guy named Bob Bruce, and we did our shows from O'Connell's on Thursday and Friday before that two thousand game. And I was kind of like the man on the ground and. I was going into OU's locker room after Thursday practice and bringing guys over across the street um, to come on, join on set. <laughs> and in today's world, I mean, we never would get that kind of access. So I just remember that that weekend. And, and that was really, to me, the big turn of OU's program was when they beat Nebraska. Nebraska was up 14 nothing in that game. And then they came back and, and, and blew Nebraska out in all respects. Wow. Uh, okay, so... The game this year, um, what is, I mean, what's the, what's the fan base think? Is it, is it, because I know, you know, you see stuff on our board and it's, it's always that, that stuff back and forth that you don't get involved in, but like, hey, these Nebraska fans really think they got a shot at us this year. Uh, what a bunch of dummies. Like, oh, I'm going to even be in trouble for that now. Um, but is there, is it just kind of that, oh, we can, if, if this happens and this happens, we could win that game or, is it still kind of a defeatist attitude because of the state of the program right now? I mean, I think most people are hopeful that if they just play, I mean, I, I go back to like 2018 Ohio State. They were huge dogs in Columbus that year against Urban Meyer, and and they played really well, and they executed, and, and they had to lead a lot of the game and almost won, um, and nobody saw that coming. I, I think that's the biggest thing. I think Nebraska fans know OU is one of the four best teams right now in the country. Nebraska's not, and they're not near that. So – I think the hope is they can go in there and, and put up a just put up a fight and 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 not just lay down in the first quarter. I mean, I, I want to say the last time I was in Norman was 08, and it was 28 nothing in the first quarter. Do you remember that game? Carrie? Was that the uh, bleeping hippies uh, game? No, that was 04, um, and it was effing hillbillies. And oh, hillbillies! I think yeah. George, I think George Schroeder is the guy that got that, that on. Heard tape. it? Yeah. Like, um, and he he reported on that way back when, uh, but that was a bizarre deal. I mean, if you remember, um, Nebraska's players during warmups intentionally kind of threw a lineman in because they used to let the the roughnecks on <laughs> yeah. the field with those oh, yeah, guns. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was the lawsuit. They were firing game. the they were firing the blanks <laughs> off the Nebraska players like point blank range. And so Wally Muhammad and uh, uh, I want to say Cornelius Thomas or another guy on the team. Like they tossed each other into the roughnecks, and 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 one of the roughnecks like hammered into the brick wall on the side mm. and had to be hospitalized. Well, they they pressed charges on these Nebraska players, and Nebraska had to go down and appear in court. John Blake had to actually testify <laughs> on what they were doing in the in the drills, and I mean it was it was bizarre. I forgot um, John Blake know, was coaching then for Nebraska. Former OU coach has to go down to Norman to testify with an incident with his players, like severely injuring this roughneck kid. Um, but yeah, that they're the, so those were the last two trips Nebraska's had to Norman. Um, and, and they didn't play well, as we know, in either one of those, then in 09, Nebraska beat Oklahoma and Lincoln, 
and then they played each other in the 2010 oh, game, Big yeah. 12 title. I was that was the most grueling the game, game to watch in the history of road games for me. Landry Jones, he was yeah. never going to complete a pass in that game. He just wasn't. It just everything was a hail mary. It was the mo- most ridiculous offense I've ever seen. Well, Nebraska was so good up front on that team that they didn't, they didn't blitz. So their oh, and Dominic Sue was just destroying everybody. Yeah, the four man rush got in every time. I mean, that left tackle you guys had was like a first round pick, and and Sue was destroying that guy. Um, I'm trying to remember who that guy was. He he was a really good tackle. Oh you guys nine. Had uh, oh, t- uh, Trent Williams. Yeah, I mean, he was he's the best. That he's the best tackle in, in the NFL. It's kind of like I saw uh, Trent Williams just demolish Von Miller two years in a row. And when he got drafted, I was like, Von Miller is never going to be anything in the league. Trent Williams destroyed him. Like, I kind of learned, don't judge someone just based on one game if he's going against another really good player. So, But yeah, Pelini, what he did, I mean, that four-man front would get to you, and he would lock everybody up in tight press man coverage, and then he'd always have the two safeties back. And, you know, if you were down or couldn't run the ball, you know, you had – you couldn't throw down the field on Nebraska because of those safeties. They would sit back there and the man safety with a too high look um, just took away everything. And they were unstoppable defensively because of guys like, I mean, they had like four NFL guys on the front four and they just shut down everything up front. And I remember they kept trying to throw checkdowns to DeMarco Murray that game and they're getting blasted. I mean, they're going for like no gain on checkdowns, which never happens. I mean, those type of plays typically yeah, give you good yard. They were really good. Um, so I know, just judging from from what you said, I'm assuming the tight ends are the strongest position on offense. Uh, tell me if you don't if that's not correct. What's the strongest position on defense for Nebraska heading into the season? Um, the front seven. They they've got. I mean, they're good at all the linebacker spots. I mean, they return 17 of their top 20 on defense, and they return. They added a transfer portal linebacker that's going to start on the inside, and he he's been really good this spring. Um, his name is Chris Kolarovic from Northern Iowa. So that he'll be a factor. But you know, I think what worries me about this game is Nebraska's defense is built for the Big Ten. And, you know, what will be their plan to guard like the speedy slot receivers of OU? You know, in the Big Ten, Joe Joe Doman is a really good nickel hybrid linebacker guy. But, you know, he's a four, he's a four six type guy with a 38 inch vertical. He's a top five pro football focused linebacker right now. And he shut down Rondell Moore in a game this year in, in Purdue. But I don't know how that will look on the hot grass at OU in September. And what will they do to kind of adjust? Because as we know, OU is going to have a lot of speed at receiver. And Nebraska is fairly thin at corner right now. They don't have – that's the position that they're trying to go for in the portal. So yeah. there's a lot of things to kind of watch. Uh, but I love their D line, and I love those linebackers on defense. I mean, it's it's as deep of a group as they've had in a few years. Sounds like it should be a really good test for Oklahoma's offensive line because I think that's you know if you're going to talk yeah. about question marks going into 2021 for Oklahoma, I think that that's so probably yeah. where you start at. And 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 this too, Sean. I mean, uh, everyone believes Eric Gray is going to be a really good runner, but. Kennedy Brooks opted out last year. Uh, you know, who, how rusty is he going to be? Uh, and they, they don't have a lot of depth at running back. I mean, that's they moved uh, H back and Mikey Henderson over there. Uh, they still might be going after a guy in the portal at running back. We don't know. Uh, it, it looks like, you know, that's that's something that they're going to try and go after. Uh, 
but yeah, I would say if there's one thing Nebraska fans can maybe have some uh, positive feels about, it would be you know their defense, their their defense up front against Oklahoma's offense up front. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Nebraska's maybe one of their strengths is the front seven, and the weakness of OU might be the O line. So that to me will be this game if OU's o, o line plays well I mean and protects and does what they need to do they're gonna win but Nebraska could make it interesting if 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 their if their front seven causes problems and kind of gets to Rattler a little bit because they do have the ability I mean they they sacked um Ohio State's quarterback uh, you know as much as anybody this year they got after him in that game and they return everybody Ty Robinson Ben Stilley Casey Rogers DeAndre or uh, DeAndre Thomas, Damian Daniels, they got a really good group of D linemen coming back, and then, like I said, all their linebackers are back too. So it will be a veteran front. There's a lot of fifth, six year guys on the front seven of Nebraska. Um, I think there's five six year seniors that started last year that all came back this year on defense. You know, when you do your keys to the game, I can give you a key right now. Um, and Eddie, I think you would approve of this. Uh, a key for Nebraska offensively, is yet another secret first-quarter suspension for Perrion Winfrey. Just got to keep him off the streets you know, of Norman, Oklahoma here. here over the next, uh, <laughs> what is it, four months? Perrion Winfrey wore, uh, you know how players have those thigh pads now, uh, Sean, that, that, that have like their numbers in them or, uh, you know, like it'll have, I don't know, like faces or whatever, but Perry Winfrey's thigh pads, one was Mike Myers from Halloween, and the other was Jason from, from Jason Voorhees. I'm a little afraid. They, of Perry they, Winfrey got in trouble. You guys heard the story about him and Lincoln getting in trouble the year before, right? I think I, I, I believe so. I don't know if it's shared that. I don't know if it's ever been disclosed. Yes. But if if you would like we're not to saying it, yeah. There's a police and I'm not like giving up anything secret here. There's a police report on it, and he he got ticketed for <laughs> after he took his visit to Lincoln. He came he came back down to Lincoln to party and hang out. I mean, I, I just think he had fun down here and wasn't going to come here. But he was he was jumping on parked cars <laughs> um, downtown. Yes. You know, I don't know. If, I don't know what. Obviously, I don't know what what he was doing beforehand. Uh, but he caused some damage to vehicles, and he got ticketed for jumping on parked cars. Um, and the the Journal Star never ran the report because it didn't really have any significance. He wasn't a Nebraska recruit or whatnot. But he he, he had a memorable time in Lincoln. Um, I heard that uh, there may have been cars. a swan dive onto a hood at one point. Yeah, so it was. Um, I'll, I'll put it this I, way, Sean. OU needs. Gonna... OU needs more of those guys. I've been saying that for years. <laughs> I think that it, it's not a coincidence that Oklahoma's playing a little bit better defensively, and they got some guys that maybe you keep an eye on on the weekends. Yeah, you got you got guys that de tackle that are not afraid to tackle cars. <laughs> that, that's a, that's a pretty good fit right there. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Sean, man, I really appreciate it. It was great catching up with you. You gave us way more of your time uh, than you should have, uh, but we really enjoyed it, and uh, you do a great job at Husker Online, and, and I know we're all looking forward to to uh, hopefully seeing you again this year uh, up in the press box. That'd be pretty cool. I'm looking forward to it, Kerry. It's been a long, long time, and uh, I know Nebraska fans are looking forward to getting down there to Norman. I, I guarantee you, if you haven't been down to uh, Norman around the – the stadium and stuff it's completely 
I mean, it's it's different from when I was in school, <laughs> so I can't imagine what uh, Except you'll for the see press when you box. arrive to normal. The press box oh, it's is exactly same. as you remember it. You might need but to uh, make sure... Everything has been facelifted outside of that. Make sure your will's in order before you go up into the press box. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll, we'll be staying in Oklahoma City, I know, and just driving in the morning of, more than likely. For sure. All right, Sean, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for the time, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll catch up with you uh, a bit more before the season gets going. All right, guys. Yeah, we'll, we'll be doing a lot more of this. I appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to September. All right, thanks again to uh, Sean Callahan from HuskerOnline.com. And, uh, I'm going to tell you, I'm trying to be nice as possible to Husker fans. I don't want them in my timeline anymore. Just keep Rex Burkhead's name out of your mouth. You'll be Super fine. Super Bowl parties and drinking and talking shit on Rex Burkhead did not play out very well for me. I will say, it seems like, in, like as we get done wrapping up that interview... I'm excited for the game now. And I was excited for the game before, but it just like it does make you feel a certain way with the names OU and Nebraska. You have to actually talk about it though to actually remind yourself why this is such a big big yeah. like cuz I you know most kids are 18 years old, they don't know anything about this. Yeah, I'm 34 and I seriously like I I know the OU Nebraska thing was big, but it was only because it's been passed down in the family basically. Like my uncle played in the 71 game which I found a uh, they found a newspaper from 1971, like the uh, the Oklahomans. Uh, Back what was the Daily Oklahoman? Yeah, it was like the it was a four page spread. Uh, the it's actually pretty cool. I'm trying like to find game it game right coverage. But like yeah, like the preview of the oh, game, okay. which like that kind of stuff is badass well that was like you know newspapers would sell like big features like that mm -hmm. back in the day and so they put a lot of effort into it sure i think that the 50 year anniversary thing will be really cool when it's finally out there with like the stuff that they have planned bringing people back hopefully people from lincoln come down that's one thing i probably we should have asked sean is i i imagine nebraska still like from the mid 90s that's what i remember the most is like oh my god there are Half the stadium's full of Nebraska fans. And it was just because they couldn't get up to Lincoln to see these people at Memorial Stadium. Yeah, I mean, that would happen a lot. I would have to 90s. think that they still travel well, though. That stadium got purple when Kansas State started getting good. Yeah. And OU wasn't any good. It'll be fun. I, you know, and I guess it's kind of a talking point just because we're going into, uh, I, it, because it was announced last week at the end of the week as far as the 11 a.m. kickoff and all that kind of stuff. I, for Josie to issue the type of statement that he did, they have to be pissed off about it. Yeah, and I think it's just also it's 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 just dealing with the fans and but I can tell you this, like he takes that shit personally. Like yeah. he don't you think it was a uh, almost like a totality of the situation though, like a here been we go so again. Many years where they've expressed it's not their it's not the eleven a.m. kickoff per se on that weekend. It's just like. God damn, what do we have to do to not play at 11? Yeah. And I think it's, like, it's probably, you know, a little frustrating because OU is taking the bullet for the rest of the conference. Sure. But I get what Fox is doing. Like, I don't fault Fox at all. That's their prime time. It's what they signed up and for. And that's yeah. what they want. Like, and, and the numbers, to a certain extent, back it up. The, the thing about it is, OU, you know, they made their bed. They have to lie in it. Um... And, and, like, when the national media were coming out and being like, like, just, I always say this, like, just try and be a little mindful of the fans. 
Like they're the ones that are reading your paper or buying subscriptions. Sure. So why shit on the fans because they they hate a lot? I like try and understand them. Trying to have some like I that's one thing I've tried to make more over the last few years is like try to be more understanding of how the fans view things instead of living in your little myopic world where it's yeah. it's got to be this way or that way. Yeah. And I I get it. Like I call one today. He's my dad. Not happy with the 11 a.m. kickoffs, and I, I completely get it. It sucks for everybody. I got friends that you know own bars and restaurants in Norman. It sucks for them. Makes you get up early on a Saturday, which you don't like. Yeah, doing. nobody wants to do that, especially after you know a lot of people. And you know, it gets into the recruiting side of it, but it's impossible for a whoever Relique Brown to fly in from Modern yeah, Day or fly in that. from Los Angeles the weekend. Uh, that weekend, if he's not going to take the red eye out of L.A., unless they have, you know, unless Mouter Day has uh, a Thursday night game or something. Yeah. And for a lot of people, it's just not going to work out like that. You know, and I think the thing about Nebraska and their recruiting strategy is pretty fascinating. I haven't paid a close enough attention to it to know how many guys they're losing out on to sure. bigger programs. But really, they do have to have a different, you know, it's just like Oklahoma. They went heavy Juco. Uh, I mean, Josh Heupel, you know, when Bob Stoops first got in, Torrance Marshall, uh, and they added to what they had, but th they didn't have to keep recruiting that way as they got better. And Nebraska has to at least be honest with itself and say, okay, we're not, gonna, we're not going to build a roster like every team in the SEC overnight. Like, we have to earn it. Yeah, and, I, you know, I, I guess in a way. I, it's just like with the defense. I there, mean, there's a certain level of you got to admit it to yourself before you can start helping yourself, right? It's it's just like the defense. It's like it just was a it was a cycle. It was like a, a endless loop of not being able to get the guys you wanted to get because your defense wasn't any good. And yeah. now that it's good, you're able to start battling with other teams, you know, bigger power five teams to get those recruits. Sure. And it helps when you, you know, I, I guarantee you as soon as Nebraska starts finding ways to win football games, all of a sudden all of that becomes a lot easier. I just don't know when that's going to be. Nebraska should never be behind a Purdue, though, or an Illinois. And they or are. Or Minnesota. Well, they just, like Penn State and Nebraska, it's bad for college football for them to not be good. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that anybody that has listened to the Unofficial 40 knows that they're almost at too easy of a target as far as the, the downturn that they've had not to poke fun at them and call them a dead program, everything like that. Which you it's know, a lot they, more they fun kind of to are. call them bug eaters when they're good. Sure, it's kind like of like calling them bug eaters now is just pathetic. It's and kind sad of it's kind of like everything shot. in college football, though. When you get those blue bloods, when you get the big name programs like a Notre Dame, like a you know Texas, who has been non-existent for the last decade, it's it's just better. It, it feels right. I think there's more of a nostalgia almost. It feels right when all those teams are good. All right, so as we sit here now, uh, OU softball is playing in the Women's College World Series. Um, we won't give any updates because it'll just make the pod dated. It'll just be weird. Um, but OU golf, a fantastic run, finishes off yesterday. Uh, it wasn't ideal uh, in terms of the performance in the championship. Um, well, it's just, just it, it, it's unfortunate that like Garrett Reban has run into a problem off the tee, and he 
has no he's idea where the bad tin cup. Yeah, he like has no no idea where the ball's going right now off the tee. And you know, I think anybody that is, I can't even say that I've played golf competitively, but anybody that has played golf and knows when you step up onto a tee box and have no idea where the ball's going, it's just kind of sad. It, it it sucks. I I genuinely feel bad for the guy that he got to you know basically the peak of his collegiate career. And couldn't really contribute. Yeah, yeah, couldn't really contribute. And I hope he figures uh, figures it out. I hope he finds a way to uh, start making money. It's it's insane to think that Tuesday night he went from getting you know the promotion of a lifetime and getting a full year exemption on the Corn Ferry Tour to being benched into match play and in it, the quarterfinals. The benching did not work. No, it, it didn't work like uh, like Ryan Hibble hoped it did. But uh, you know to be match play the last five years it's incredible uh you know Garrett Reban's going to end up being one of the uh you know more accomplished players that this program has put out onto the uh, professional ranks and to see it end with uh, him and Quade Cummins uh Jonathan Brightwell's you know one year in Norman uh it was a hell of a run Pepperdine was unbelievable like I, really I, I don't think that you can talk about uh you know Oklahoma losing the national championship as much as Pepperdine won it I mean, Absolutely. getting up and down from where they were on a lot of the holes, uh, particularly on the back nine, and being able to execute under pressure, uh, it was it was incredible. It was I was really, I was I kind mean, of in awe. It was the the way I would would analyze it would be, yes, oh, you missed a lot of uh, putts, yeah, but if you're going to win a national championship, you got to make those. But and like it, they just didn't fall. Pepperdine's putts were shorter. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, they were like they weren't hitting. I don't know if they missed a 10 footer, though, like yeah. in the last, you know, of the last hour of coverage, which. <sighs> like, Reband had so many putts that like, yeah. just didn't. It just break. He left a, like eight and 90 on eight and 90 had chances to cut it to one. As poorly as he started, uh, you were, you have a chance to get to the back nine only down one, and he wasn't able to make any putts. And, and I know it's disappointing that Quade Cummins' day kind of fell apart. Yeah, he, didn't, he just didn't play well. But he was like the reason happens. they got there in the first yeah, place. Yeah, sure. So. He just didn't play well. Uh, and you know, by I, the way, you know the, the the biggest thing about watching college golf. Well, I mean, unfortunately, we had to watch the last two days on the Golf Channel. That was about as bad of a production as I've ever seen. I'm it was sure they awful. don't give a lot of money for that. And I love the Golf Channel. Like I, I don't want to take it's shots. It's compelling at though. I oh, mean, it's great. Uh, oh, I mean Tuesday night. During the semifinal stuff, that says I have no connection to those guys, and I was I was nervous as hell watching Quaid finish up. Yeah, I here's the what's interesting watching college golf versus watching the PGA every weekend or every other weekend. Uh, like college golfers, you can tell not real big into the strength and conditioning part of that. I mean, I'm sure they yeah. do some minimum stuff, but there's some stick people out there playing golf. Uh, I think that like sometimes you probably think that some of the PGA Tour guys are a little bit bigger than you really like because you only think like, like Bryson and Rory. Yeah, and, like Xander's not a very big guy, uh, and Phil's never been a weightlifting guy. No, I, I don't think Billy Horschel is going into the uh, to the weight room every morning. I mean, a bunch of those guys do. But, I mean, like when guys you get like out of Tiger school, you start and Bryson yeah. and Rory, and like you think about all those guys that and, and Brooks Kepka. I mean, the, like, like, I don't think Spee's not that. Big. I mean, he's no, he's, he's a he's a he's a decently tall guy, but I don't think he's just he probably does massive. just enough in the weight room. I mean, all those guys. Once you get once you don't have to worry about school, you're going to start working out a lot more. Yeah. But I mean, OU's it what they've been able to do over the last five years. Obviously, winning a national championship with that group. You know, Quaid was a freshman on that team. Well, just getting Brightwell in this year. Sure. I mean, it was awesome. And 
you know, I the the future of the Oklahoma golf program is extremely bright with some of the guys that they're bringing in. Uh, and you know, I think anybody that pays attention to the junior amateur rankings or the junior tournaments just in the state of Oklahoma knows this is a hell of a state for golf. And I think it was noted uh, in the semifinals when Oklahoma and Oklahoma State were both in it. Uh, you know, twenty percent of the rosters were represented by guys from the state of Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, it's they were reading off you know uh, hometowns and all that stuff. You know, Austin Eckro. I mean, Austin. Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma in Austin Eckrow, uh, you know, the kid obviously from Edmond North in Oklahoma State, and then Quaid from Weatherford. That's two kids on the wet, on the Walker Cup team. That's insane, and it's really cool. So, I hope they. Uh, and what Logan McAllister's from OCC? Yeah, yeah OCA. OC, yeah, OCA. He, yeah. he went to. Uh, he's from Oklahoma City, which is which is really cool. So, it will be uh, it'll be fun to watch here over the next couple of years, as long as Ryan Hibble's running that program down there. They're going to be extremely, good extremely good. I really like him. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, all right, so uh, you've been out. I guess we should touch on this a little bit. Uh, Josh and Bob, uh, they're both on vacation this mm-hmm. week. Uh, you you went out to uh, team camp yesterday. Yeah, I did. And, you know, I finally got some good Talon Shetron uh, video or Talon Shetron yep. video. Uh, so he, 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 your name, you he, looks, he looks great. Uh, there's, you know, no reason to think anything different they're going to be i think as as a whole though and josh will be able to kind of expound on this next week as far as uh you know kind of recapping he did a little bit last week when he was up here on tuesday uh doing the spring tour 2023 2024 is incredible Mm -hmm. in the state of oklahoma then you add in gentry williams then you add in you know whoever you want uh you know the uh, jacob sexton uh the state of oklahoma is doing really well right now as far as producing talent and it was good to see well, a bunch you came of, away from watching norman north going wow they got two I, really good young guys i think the duncan parham kid's really good and i didn't realize that his impressive. dad i didn't realize his dad played at ou i had no idea duncan parham senior that that wasn't a name that i was familiar with i'm gonna say tight end i think he's and that's kind of what duncan plays he's a little bit of a you know i, I guess you call him like a hybrid i think more he's gonna be an outside linebacker looks good coming off the edge uh, you know, I thought the uh, the uh, Jonathan Wolfer or Ashford kid from uh, Edmund Santa Fe, one of Shetron's teammates, looks really good. He's a 2023 offensive lineman. Uh, Jinx obviously is 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 loaded once again. Surprise, surprise. Uh, it was pointed out to me that uh, there is a kid that's going to be a freshman, a 2024 kid at Jinx, with the last name of Countless, and he's Rocky's nephew. Really? That they think is oh, gonna, I have heard they about think him, he's yeah. going to be pretty damn good. So yeah, uh, Duncan Parham, uh, he was a tight end from '86 to '88. I had no idea. I, I truly didn't. I had no idea. Back in the 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 bone days, so he would have played with Jamel. He would have played with Charles. Would have played. Uh, yeah, he was a good player. I don't remember if he how many what he did in the NFL. If he just hung on, or if he had a cup of coffee, or what? But sure, I I definitely remember him. He was originally from Florida. It's kind of wild. So I guess he just stayed in Norman. Never expected that. Um, one thing I think we do have to talk about, and and I I think I can talk about this confidently, uh, because we have had Josh's input is Luther Burden. Yeah. Um, his visit to Missouri that's coming up, and uh, kind of the the so. 
I'll start out with kind of what I posted first, and then Josh has kind of kept us in the loop on some stuff. Uh, and there's been some, I don't know, taking of info and misrepresenting it or something. I don't know. Sure. Uh, what I was told is that he's been fishing around for uh, someone to make him a commitment video, which has kind of become a bigger thing in St. Louis. Thanks for not screwing me over, Tyson. Um and so, um, yeah, at least you didn't have to drive up there or anything. Tyson Ford, big ups, man. Still talk to him every once in a while. Good Do kid. you? Yeah, good kid. It's funny. Um, cause I talk a lot of NBA and I think he likes the NBA. Um, but what does that mean? No one told, no one said, okay, he's, he's, he needs a, a commitment, a flip video, or he needs a commitment video for Missouri. As I said on the board... Oh, God, I hope the new wave isn't a flip video. Uh, <laughs> that that seems like a much. No, I, I... Yeah, that would be terrible. That would be worse than 10 teams. Here's my top 20 teams. The flip video is, seems like it's in the same chapter or the same neighborhood as uh, a transfer portal entry putting out a top 25. <laughs> so uh, this was the deal, like... We were trying to figure out, okay, so why would he do a video if he wasn't flipping? But then you think about you, everybody's, all the COVID stuff that's gone. Didn't he play in the uh, spring season? Yeah, he played two football seasons. He played two year. football seasons. He year. played in Missouri, and then he uh, transferred over to East St. Louis and played okay. in Illinois. So, I mean, the kid's been, one, busy, and the other is you just haven't had the chance to be like regular or take visits or do sure. this stuff. Like maybe he just I think wants it's to. new for everybody. Yeah, right maybe now. he just wants to say, like. I've been cooped up for a while. I'm going to make this official now. I mean, maybe that's what he wants to. We don't know. But I was never told he's doing a commitment video for Missouri. Now, Josh has been all over this, uh, and a lot of it's been kind of what he's relayed to us behind the scenes. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any worry on OU's end that, it, that anything is going. And basically, this is, uh, this is something that he just told Missouri he would do kind of because he was tired of getting bugged by him all the time. That's, I think that's probably the best way to put it. It doesn't seem like there's a, too much cause for concern. He's still visiting Oklahoma, uh, what is it, two weeks from now? And that's what I said initially. I was like, you guys can freak out about this if you want, and some choose to do it, some others. But let's say he even, like there was a thing last night, like Hayes Fawcett had teased. He's the guy that does a bunch of the edits mm -hmm. for people. Uh, and Josh says he's a really good guy. I've never really had any dealings with him, but I'm sure he is. Uh, but he teased that there was a big uh, announcement coming from a five-star. Uh, and so we thought, oh, God, is he going to Yeah, just is kind of one of those like moments of like, oh, no, here we go. And so that there was like been at 7.15, like right in the middle of golf. And I was like, I really don't want this to blow up at 7.15. And I just want to watch golf. And, you know, uh, but it was something totally, it was like, it was, was it a kid's top five or something or? Some was it someone that was committed to Clemson or something? Uh, I, I, I don't think it was a kid that's committed as much as it's a kid that's visited Clemson and now saying Clemson is his leader. Which I know that's what it was. Yeah. So, like personally, I just kind of roll my eyes. I, I don't like think that, there's but. any reason to worry about Luther Burden, although, um, you know, our Missouri site's a huge site. Sure. And they're getting excited about the possibility of Josh talked flipping. about it last week. I mean, I, I think that that Missouri staff, who was, oh, he was talking about Gentry Williams. Drinkwitz. Uh, Drinkwitz has done an excellent yeah. job up there. 
I mean, the guy is a he's he's a little bit like Lincoln in that I think he loves the recruiting game, and I think I can't remember who it was, but uh, I remember going back all the way to uh, signing day, and I think it was Drinkwitz's first signing day up there, and they put out the video of him celebrating. They got somebody at the last second. I remember that, yeah. And it's like this guy loves that shit. Yeah, he loves it, and that's what you want if you're a uh, program looking to uh, you know strike rich, and especially in a conference that's as competitive as the SEC. So, I mean, that's that's basically where all that stuff is. Sure. I, I don't think there's any cause for concern. No. Uh, At least but, not quite yet. But like we've been saying the whole time, it's going to change with kids being able to go on visits. And the, the initial report on him was his mom, his dad, his girlfriend, his, I don't know. Yeah, it was like the whole family's going down there. His dad his dad seems to be kind of, I, I don't want to, well, I don't know what his dad is. I don't want to read too much into just a, a tweet. Likes the game? I mean, I think I'll... Parents like being told wouldn't? their kid's special. Sure. I think that's completely fair. That's my new leaf. I'm just trying to I'm trying to understand everybody's Proud perspective. Proud of you. Looking at everybody. Just being a dick Very Dr. Phil-ish. Um Let's put you on a national television show to exploit you now. That's what Dr. Phil does. Hey, that chick made a lot of money. The cash me outside chick made a lot of money on WhatsApp or uh, on uh, OnlyFans. Only fans, yeah. yeah. Now that she's eighteen. Kind of creepy. Even now. I think she's kind of gross. What's her name? Like Danielle Bruglia or something like that? Yeah. It's weird. Um, Good rapper, though. I was trying to... But you weren't ready for that. <laughs> no, I've heard her stuff. I don't listen. Like, this is... I was thinking about this today. Like, you know how many road trips we've taken together? Like, we've been sitting in a car for like 14, 15 hours with each yeah. other. Yeah. I told somebody, uh, somebody with the Oklahoma State baseball program that's headed out to Tucson this weekend. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was like, yeah, I've been there. Wasn't too impressed with it. Oh, no. Wasn't too impressed with Tucson. Tempe is great. When you get to Tucson, no. Oh, there's nothing, there's nothing better than Tempe and Scottsdale but it's and like, that it's, area. It's so ridiculous because like, you and I really don't have anything in common. Mm-mm. You don't like movies. You're not into music, really. I like AMC. I know that's up for a lot of people in the stock market right now. Is it really? Is it? It was Bolton. Well, it, I think it's down now. I, I mean, know a lot of buddies sold it yesterday. You you love gambling. I'm not a gambler. The odd couple. But we always got along, and we never sure. like we never even fought like no. even once like never even got in each other's on each other's nerves. No. Two weeks on the road is a long time. We'll say that. Bowl, bowl games are, are nice. Bowl games just a different. You're not, it's a different breed, and I think this year it'll be like so exciting to just get back out on the road that it won't be too bad. Yeah. So, those were the days of yesteryear, though. I don't know how often uh, we'll have to do that anymore. Just as far as like the army game being followed by, or I mean, a, a bowl game being followed by the army game. Yeah, with the if, as long as OU's good. Yeah, that I mean that was at the height of it, though. With uh, you know, driving from New Orleans to go cover Joe Mixon's commitment in San Antonio. Oh yeah, I, I think been I was, too many of those. You were sick, sick at the end though, hell. right? Yeah. yeah, I just got. I mean, did you even go to the game over there? No, I just stayed in my hotel room and slept. That's right. Hell, it would be nice just to have uh, the Army game and the Under Armour game back this year. I guess I call it the Army game. Then what is it called now? The All Star game. It's not even the Army game it's anymore. It's the All-American Bowl or something like that. I guess the one thing that 
probably does need to be brought up before we get out of here is, uh, you know, Oklahoma, the transfer portal, obviously yeah. with the Bradford news this week with LSU, uh, you know, I, it, by all, you know, signs, it seems like there's definitely going to be some interest. And then the Keelan Robinson thing is kind of interesting from Alabama, just for the fact that I had heard that, you know, maybe he had had some interest in Oklahoma at one point. You can't look past the fact that he's from the DC area yeah. and Caleb Williams and Joseph Wete as well. I'm sure that they're doing some recruiting. I should have gotten on the Bob follow check train. I don't think that he's too active. Uh, talking about Keelan Robinson. Okay. And if he is, I don't think that'd be a situation that he would be following Caleb Williams because I'm sure that they've already followed each other way back when. Yeah. Known each other forever. The Kale Gundy is what... They're not Kale Gundy. Uh, uh, DeMarco Murray is what you want to pay attention to on that, usually. And he's moving in, he's moving in silence anyways. <laughs> Whoever knows what... I don't even know if DeMarco Murray's still a coaching do you. And I say that jokingly just because I, I don't see him out a lot. I'm trying to think if there's there's something on the tip of my tongue that I've been meaning to bring up to you. Something like that's been fascinating from just pop culture, and I can't remember what it is. I don't know. Oh, I know what it is. I uh a couple days ago I followed Steven Alexander on Facebook. Just because I figured it'd be good to... Oh, like the uh, former OU player? Yeah, Cooper's dad. Yeah, Cooper. We went and saw him at He's the end of last week. He's just Cooper's dad now. We went and saw him at the end of right last week. I think I did right after you guys saw him and, and just raved about it. That kid is going to be awesome. But I was like... I remember signing up for that. And I was like, I, th I think he's still really close to Justin Fuente. Um, should I ask him about his linebacker? Man, that is insane. Does it, is there details on what the, that relationship was at all? I know I've read stuff on the board, the, but I don't want to throw only, out just The only thing stuff. that I've seen is that it was a 40-year-old male yeah. that was found dead, which kind of weird because we're talking about a freshman in high school, I mean, a freshman in college that has now been arrested for the homicide of it, and there's expected to be two more arrests. I don't know if they're going to be charged with homicide or with manslaughter or murder or whatever, but it's just very awkward, very strange. I mean, we see a lot of strange shit, but... Not like that. Murdering. You don't see that I mean, often. Like the strangest that we thought it would get would be Trajan Bridges armed robbery. I still I mean, don't know if like we'll ever I mean, hopefully not see another story like that. Which I don't think that there's much like update on any of that. I, I, I you know, have they been is a rain the right word? I I truly don't know. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean out on bail and I mean it basically the probably just the bridges have been burned. They're no longer part of the Oklahoma program. Is that a pun? No, it's not, but it should be now. I didn't even you think didn't about even it. know what you said. No, no, like I didn't even it, I didn't even put two and two together. Um, shitty situation, but you know it is kind of like the calm before the storm, though, as we sit here on June third, because you know Bob and Josh return and then camp start firing up, and then you got the barbecue coming in a couple yeah, weeks. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. And once you get through the barbecue, it's like holy shit. Look down at the calendar, and Big 12 Media Days will be here before you know it. In person. Yeah, down in Dallas. I wonder if they'll limit how many people get to go. That's what I'm worried about. I don't know. I could, like, well, it's that Jerry World, so you can, you can kind of, I guess, socially distant. Should be good, though. 
I had to get one F-bomb in on this podcast. Other than all the ones Callahan dropped. Yeah. Gotta, gotta watch Dirty that sailor. guy. Gotta watch that guy. All right. Uh, that will do it for this week's edition. Talking Nebraska football kind of makes me want to go drink Bush Light. Get off the Natty Light train and drink Bush Light. Is that what you did back in the college days? No, it just seems like that would be a big beer seller up in Nebraska. That and Bud Light. Bush bet, Light, I Bud bet, Light. I think there's. I think Schlitt still has a little little sliver of... I think that might be their PBR up there. I've never been there. I've never been to Nebraska. It's a fun place, never been to, Lincoln's a fun town. I don't think I've ever been in that area of the world. Like north I think of I've told Kansas. you this before. It's the first north time of Kansas I've, City. Being in Lincoln, Nebraska is the first time I've ever seen a blind man be hit by a car and thrown across the intersection. I'm not laughing. It was the first time. <laughs> it was the second time. <laughs> there wasn't, thank God. Well, some, probably, uh, some dude in a Camaro, like a 70s Camaro, just started raining, and uh, he couldn't stop in time, and that dude went flying. Like in route, like game day? In route to the no, game? No, this was when I was a little kid. Oh, okay. I've never been to Lincoln, Nebraska. I don't know what's going on up there. We had to go to Lincoln, Nebraska every year because uh, my little sister was always making the national roller skating figure skating finals. Seems like something that would be hosted in Nebraska. I think my parents just is got that so Lincoln used or to... Omaha. It's in Lincoln. Oh, yeah. it is. I've never been to Omaha for that. Matter. I think my parents were just like, okay, we've taken the boys to baseball and football, like that, and so we have to find a sport for our daughter now because that's all we know to do. It's fair. And so she was a competitive roller skater. Didn't even know that was a thing. I want to know if it's still a thing. I bet it is. She never won, though. So they waste a lot of money. She got followed by uh, something that's called 405 Burger Bar. They just got a free shout-out, but says it's coming to Campus Corner. Hmm. Interesting. Influence of the year, ladies and gentlemen. I better give me something free. JK. You need to figure out how to make some damn money off of being the influencer of the year at some point. I think my reign is over, so I, I, think, I, missed the, uh, I think I missed the window, which kind of sucks. How do you miss the window? I mean, I got to run for it again next week or next year, I guess. Oh, you didn't win this year, huh? So I'm, I'm no longer. Uh, oh, the uh, is it JB, the guy that actually does like influencing in Oklahoma City, the like, the rapper, yeah, producer, yeah, yeah, yeah. like does uh, you know, I get, I was gonna say civil rights stuff, but it's not that. No, he's involved in some of that he's stuff. A, yeah, very much so. Social justice and things. Social justice. That yeah. was the word I was trying to think of. Uh, all right. Actually does stuff for the community. <laughs> other than like just making memes and <laughs> bullshit. And, and promoting natural light. Yeah. All right. Uh, appreciate it, Eddie. Uh, Josh and Bob will be back next week. We should get to go on a vacation sometime. I'm on vacation every day. I'm on vacation every day. Living the dream. I'm right there with you. Uh, all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back again next week with another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast from Soonerscoop.com.